Somebody came up with the idea that if we built a set on a merry-go-round platform and we put the lights and the actors on this rotating platform, we can just have a certain size of the blue screen in the background that exactly fits the frame. This platform was actually built on the set and we had to light the blue screen and we had to light the people on the rotating platform. And that means the people in the lights were rotating around and the camera was static. And when we actually shot this with the camera, it looked like the camera was rotating around them. Those are words from cinematographer Vilmos Sigmund on the firework sequence in Brian De Palma's 1981 film, Blowout. Seeing Faces in Movies is a podcast where each month I focus on the works of a different director or a cinematographer, and each week I invite a guest on to discuss the film and the artist's filmography. This week, we're talking about Blowout, so quick synopsis of the film is, a movie sound recordist accidentally records the evidence that proves that a car accident was actually murder and consequently finds himself in danger. Tagline for the film is, murder has a sound all of its own. The film stars John Travolta as Jack. Nancy Allen as Sally, John Lithgow as Burke, and Dennis Franz as Manny Karp. It's written by Brian De Palma, directed by Brian De Palma, cinematography by Vilmos Sigmund, edited by Paul Hirsch, and music by Pino DiNaggio. So today my guest is Matt Curion, and I know that he is a co-host of Monsters Never Die. And I know you also do some film writing on the side as well. So first, thank you for coming on the show and talking about Brian De Palma with me. I'm very excited to have you on. I'm excited too. This is going to be a good time. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, your work on the podcast, your film writing, as well as like, you know, your relationship to cinema, how you got into that and, you know, the works of Brian De Palma? Of course. Um, well, I co-host a podcast with uh, my friend Jacob DeNoble. It's called Monsters Never Die. It started out as a, it was going to be a one month limited series. <laughs> mm. Right. Uh, <laughs> where we discussed all the original Universal Monsters, as well as like their uh, sequels and remakes and ripoffs through the years. And then I kind of conned him into just making it an ongoing horror podcast where each month mm-hmm. we do a different theme. Like uh, a few months ago, we did an episode all about evil hands. And that was lots of fun. So we did uh, Mad Love which is a really good classic horror movie where the guy's hands are possessed. Uh, it's fun. We've done that. We've mm-hmm. done we've done the Texas Chainsaw series. We've done Evil Dead. That episode just turned into uh, that old Chris Farley SNL sketch where we just went back and forth going, remember that? Wasn't that cool? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> this part was awesome. Wasn't that awesome? So, I mean, yeah, uh, we have a lot of fun. I, I am pretty active on Twitter. I will not call it that other name because it's yeah. silly and just stop. Just it's yeah. that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I am also, the, I'm the editor at large over at talk film society. I help uh, plan stuff over there. I've uh, been with them since their inception, which is mm. uh, I don't even know how many years, but it's been a while and uh, it's fun. It's fun. Other than that, I'm a, I'm a big De Palma fan. I believe the first of his that I saw was probably Mission Impossible okay. in theaters when it came out, just because my dad wanted to go see the Mission Impossible movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my mom was huge Tom Cruise fan, still is. I mean, yeah. look at him. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably the first time where I was like actually seeing a Brian De Palma film. And of course, you know, later on, I would go, I would rent a whole bunch of movies growing up uh, being a, a horror kid. Of course, mm-hmm. I rented Carrie and yep. 
Loved that when I first saw it in middle school. And yeah, ever since then, it's just been like in recent years, discovering these movies of his uh, that aren't his big blockbusters, I guess. And I've had a total blast more often than not. I mean, I'm really impressed and he knocks it out of the park. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's just got such a distinct style and we'll get into it. I mean, yes, he he loves his Hitchcock, but <laughs> he, he puts his own spin on it and mm-hmm. you can tell a De Palma film when you're watching it. And I think that's what I love the most about him. I agree, like, 100%. And I know that he's not for everyone, but there's something that always attracted me to his work. And I think it's because I just kind of like, you know, I guess you can kind of say a lot of this stuff is a bit camp, but I would say, it can be, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much craft behind everything that he does. Like, I find that there's no wastage in his films even though people think that they're over the top and excessive but i don't think so i just think that that's the thing he has a vision right with him like the camp it's a feature not a bug yes (laughs) it's like like he knows what he's doing he's he's yeah he's not just fooling around he knows what he wants to see on the screen and he pretty much knows what people would want to see on the screen as long as they're Mm -hmm. on the same wavelength which luckily i am (laughs) same and as you were saying, because his his filmography is so vast, there's always going to be those like rare one-offs that you mm-hmm. haven't seen. So this past year, I finally got around to watching Hi, Mom and Greetings and absolutely okay. All right. loved both of them. Those are two that I really need to see. They're so good. I feel like if you're a De Palma fan, even though they're different than his later stuff, but also not because you can still mm-hmm. see clearly yeah. it's De Palma. It's just him making very dark comedies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also got a very young De Niro in it. So you really can't That's always nice. <laughs> yeah, they're very good. So I'd recommend those to anyone. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I have a couple facts about Blowout. Nothing too fancy that you really can just read on INDB, but for people who don't want want to go on IDB, I'll read off ones (laughs) that are interesting for you. And then we'll get into the film itself. So one that I found interesting was that on the way to the airport, the driver of the van had two reels of footage of the Liberty Parade sequence. So the Mm. the final sequence there and stopped at uh, Dunkin Donuts and left the van unattended. And of course, the reels were stolen. The footage was never seen again. They had to go back to Philly to reshoot the entire scene. Oh yeah. no. I would love but also be mortified to hear what that conversation was like. And you know that those reels are just sitting in a garage somewhere. Yeah. No one knows that they are. Some kids stole it because it was fun and they're just sitting in an attic or a garage. Yeah. Somewhere Someone's in gonna find them <laughs> at some point and then they're gonna be hopefully not destroyed. Yeah. Or they're gonna be sold for a lot of money. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> On display so. at the Academy Museum. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's, that's yeah. what they're waiting for. <laughs> Pacino was the first choice for this film. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think that he, I mean, I love Pacino. I'm biased. So I yeah. think he could have pulled it off. But when he wasn't able to do it, De Palma approached Travolta. They'd obviously had already worked together before. This was 1981. Was Pacino doing cruising at that time? Maybe it was like a scheduling thing? I think it was a scheduling thing. It's okay. up, yeah. It's around the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's also a good one. I don't know. Bon- do you like cruising? Bonkers movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recently saw that for the first time and whoa, boy. Yeah. yeah it's a lot. wild. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot. You know, whatever you think that cruising is, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Buck wild movie. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun time, but it's also. <laughs> 
It's a lot. It's dark. It's intense. <laughs> yeah, it's very intense. <laughs> but uh, I guess when the studios heard that Travolta was signed on for this, they wanted De Palma to cast Olivia Newton-John as a co-star. Of course and they did. And De Palma did. was like, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I got I got someone much better. <laughs> I've got my wife here. And yeah, exactly. She's going to play. <laughs> I don't know if you studio execs know this, but I'm a wife guy and yeah. uh, this is what's happening. <laughs> Basically. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, no. Nancy Allen's great in this. So oh, she's so good. She's, she's wonderful. Yeah. So the slasher movie at this was at the very beginning of the film was shot by Garrett Brown, who actually invented the Steadicam. Oh, that's cool. I know. I was reading an interview with him on a uh, criterion, which is, very interesting and how he got his start and this was one of the first films that used the steady cam it's not the very first i think the very first was bound for glory the hal ashby movie okay but this was one of the earlier ones um but like he was so quick in his movements that he also had to hold the knife because no one else could catch it (laughs) (laughs) so he's also holding that knife at the very beginning but i just thought it was interesting that he was also operating that camera that's cool that's cool. Mm-hmm. Another couple facts have to do with Tarantino because we all of know course. Tarantino loves this movie. He obviously cast Travolta in public because Fiction of this. He loved <laughs> Blowout, as one does. Nancy Allen actually credits Tarantino as helping revive the film because, oddly enough, this film was. It was critically loved, but it bombed at the box office. Oh, it was total, total flop. Yeah, which is like wild to think about this. But then it's now revered as like one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think it's his greatest film. So that's me. I, I, yep. I'm, on the, I'm on that side. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some quick facts about Blowout. I think there's so much to talk about this film that it's more interesting to just get into the, the film itself. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about is kind of, which is something you see a lot in his movies because he's such a huge film nerd. He likes to use film as a device. Yes. Right. He uses it either as someone's using equipment, someone's working in the film industry, they're either making a film. We get all of that in this. This we get someone who's, you know, a sound engineer, which is not a position that gets highlighted in film. Not often. often, no. If probably ever there's ever been like a lead character who's been a sound engineer. This plays into the entire film. You know, if he didn't have this skill, we wouldn't have this entire story. So how do you feel mm-hmm. about his use of, you know, filmmaking as a device in this film and as it relates to like just his body of work and how he likes to use that? I think it works really well here because it is one of the, honestly, it's not brought up in the conversation a lot, but it is one of the better movies about movies mm-hmm. because the entire time he's trying to help get this movie made but he's sidetracked by this labyrinth conspiracy and it's just it's intense as hell i think travolta's phenomenal in this he is tremendous here and he plays it with such an emotion and feeling that any other actor because when you you look at travolta when he's like in the zone you can tell he's in the zone like he's mm-hmm. like staring into the void and just like he is this character. Same thing in uh, Pulp Fiction where like, yeah, that's him. Like he's yeah. just he has embodied this character fully. I really like the filmmaking aspect of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned with the, the steady camp sequence. I love that slasher opening. It is yeah, so much. Same. It is so fun. <laughs> and then when you hear that wretched scream, mm-hmm. it let you, you 
you can't help but laugh. Yeah. It's it's just like, oh, it was so good until she opened her mouth. And it's yeah. like, oh man, oh, they almost had it. No wonder he has to search for the the best scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, it, it's just it's unique in that in that way, like you said. Like you don't get a movie about a sound guy. No, no. <laughs> no, I, no. And even if we track back to the opening and that that film within a film, I think the very first time I watched this, I don't know that I knew anything about it other than that there was this big ending that I was supposed to wait wait for. I didn't know anything about this when I first saw it. Yeah. All I knew is that all my friends are like, oh, Travolta's really good in it and it takes place in Philly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll I'll watch it. Why not? Right? Sometimes it's good to just go in as blind as possible yeah. and be fully surprised. But like, when you get that film within a film and I'd seen other De Palma, I've seen that he's done, you know, horrors. I was like, oh, okay, so this is a horror film because he's, yeah. there's enough time spent in that film within a film that you're like, okay, it's setting up for this sort of slasher film. And I was yeah. like, it's like, oh, I'm watching a slasher. Cool. All right. Yeah, I mean, I would watch a full length version of that. I so want I. that. Cut. <laughs> I was like, I wonder how much footage they have of that. And if he would ever consider making a full length yeah, right? version. <laughs> But it's funny if we talk about actually Travolta's performance, because I think it is probably his best. And there's a weird, there's a lot of physicality in the performance because he can be quite domineering. I don't know how tall he is, but he can kind of seem a little bit menacing, but then he looks very boyish at times. Yeah. Because you see he's lost in something, but he's also so adamant that he needs to involve himself instead of just minding his own business. Yeah. Because he could have minded his own business. Could have. Him and that owl could have just hung out and been best buds. And then, right? No. <laughs> it could have been like, I did not see any of this. I'm going to go. Had home. to get involved. Had to get involved. Yep. Had to have morals. Damn you. He really did. <laughs> and you see that even when he gets to the hospital and the government guy is saying, Hey, we need you to have never seen her. <laughs> we need you to shut up. <laughs> and he's just so adamant that he can't lie. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay. So this is another character level or added you know, layer yeah. to character that I wasn't expecting. And then it kind of, you get later scenes that kind of explain that when we talk about the flashback to his first gig using sound where he's working Oof. for on a case. Yeah. I think for, in his mind, he messed up so bad that he just wants to do right going yeah. forward. But yeah, I just... I like the fact that we get a character working in the film industry that we don't often see. And also not working in Hollywood, which was nice. Yes. Like, yes. I love that this takes place in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Not for not just for the fact that, you know, if I took a drive for an hour, I could go see all the filming locations. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's cool to see a movie about movies that doesn't mm-hmm. take place in New York or Los Angeles. Yes. It's a nice change of pace. <laughs> it really is because we, we really don't get that often. It's always just about... And I like the ones about Hollywood, too. But this yeah, one course. is it's kind different. of De Palma sticking to his early roots before yeah. he made it to Hollywood. But I like that he also shows, you know, how he does his work. Because most of us mm-hmm. don't know what a sound engineer does. No. Like, and then he goes, we see him recording sounds, all his tapes that he's recording. And then there's that great, like, 360 scene around the room where yeah. you see all the mechanics going around. And I just love that. I how do you feel about him taking the time to explain to the audience what he does without feeling like he's to show how the sausage is made <laughs> essentially yeah <laughs> i love it uh it's it's such a cool look into how sound used to be done 
in movies, mm-hmm. practically. Like the whole impetus of the entire story is the blowout, and mm-hmm. he's out recording sounds like uh what's his name? Uh, ben Burt would do for Star Wars, like just go out, mm-hmm. just go out, record some sounds, and he finds, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's so cool. And I that's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie is him doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, you don't you don't get that too often. No, exactly. And that actually ties into another point I was going to talk about. So in that scene at the beginning, really, when he's recording the sounds prior to the car coming, there's that couple that's passing by and just, mm-hmm. you hear her in the background be like, oh, he's like a peeping Tom. <laughs> what a creep. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like the underlying theme through this film because he's essentially without the creepy end of it a peeping Tom, right? He likes yeah. watching. He's like surveying. He's doing it for a purpose. He's not just yeah. being a creep watching yeah, he's people. Not just he's being not being some kind of perv. Yeah, he's it's doing not a job. Body double, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not body double. That he's doing a job, but he is spying on people. Yeah, in this sense, he wasn't. I mean, I don't know that he was even recording them. They just happened to be passing by. He's rec- yeah, they just walked by. They were in the wrong place. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't shy away from them and be like try and hide in the shadows yeah. like when they pass by. He's like, "What do you think? I got a giant microphone. Come on." <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, what would you think if you saw it? Yeah. It's not like it's a mini hi- microphone he's hiding. It's like yeah, it's, clearly it's this giant <laughs> mic. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, so they're filming something here or something's yeah. happening for a film. But when you read about this film, it often gets compared to Peeping Tom, the Michael Powell film. I still need to see that. Yeah, it's good. I really That's like what it I a hear. Lot. That's what I hear. But I think you, even without seeing, you get the gist of it. On that yeah. side, he is a creepy Peeping Tom. Yeah, he's a creepy dude. Whereas like this is more along the lengths of kind of like a weird window where he happens mm-hmm. to be seeing something and he's so invested in what's happening yeah. that he needs to get involved. So it's more like, along that lines. John Travolta just so happens to be a sound guy. Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. just so happens to be a cameraman. Like, yes. Yeah. Just doing exactly. his job, kind of. <laughs> so how do you feel about the fact that there are multiple characters kind of buying on each other? Because we got the John Lithgow character also in this Ooh, mix here. Yeah. Who is the creepy weirdo. He's the creep, obviously. He is. He's the also creep. spying on both of them throughout this. And Travolta is spying on him inadvertently. He doesn't know who he is. He's just trying to figure things out. So there's like that whole web between all of them, and only one of them knows what's really going on. So mm-hmm. the spying effect through this. See, Lithgow in this threw me for a loop because this is the first time I've I had ever seen him in a role like this mm-hmm. like, like i had just known him as the funny guy from third rock from the sun like yeah oh that's what he does okay oh or either that or like oh he's the lovesick guy from terms of endearment like mm. okay all right i get it i get it but in this i'm like oh oh you you yeah. got a dark side buddy all right that's that's cool all right good for you and you're good at it wow yes <laughs> very creepy in this movie he- does kind of have i mean he's a great comedian as well but he kind of yeah. has the face for evil characters yeah. like unhinged like mm-hmm. he's not like ricochet unhinged in this but yeah he's still pretty <laughs> unhinged yeah de palma loves his split screen oh i was just watching phantom of the paradise and i'm like oh the man loves to split a screen and i'm a sucker for it same anytime i see a split screen my face is just lit up yep i'm i love it and he does it a lot in films and i'm never tired of it because he's no, doing I don't, it no. with a purpose yeah and plus it looks cool i mean it does <laughs> let's it be really real does. it looks cool like like in this movie like it's basically also not just split screen but split diopter the movie mm-hmm. i mean yeah <laughs> 
And I, oh my God, that's my favorite technique in all of yeah. all of film. Just throw a split diopter in my way and I, I'll I'll probably really like your movie. Oh yeah, that's immediate <laughs> five stars for me. I'm like, I don't even care what it's about. It's not used enough anymore. We'll watch a movie and my husband will point one out and be like, hey, huh, huh? it's one of those. It's one of those. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> It really is. And I, I I mean, if I ever made a film, I 100% would abuse yes. it. I would abuse the split screen as well. And I think he always does it with a purpose because he doesn't like to, he's not a scene waster. You know, no. there's two different actions happening uh, in those individual screens because he knows that we're smart enough to pay attention to, to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to be like, I need to show you this and then I need to show you this. I need to show you that. And then I need right? another scene of people talking about what just happened. Like, yeah. You don't need it. No, and you often see someone in the forefront and in the background, this important stuff happening back there too. And he doesn't need to zoom into it to show it because he trusts us enough to either spot it on first watch or that adds to the rewatchability. Because this is a film, it does have that shock ending. But it doesn't ruin it for future watches. You can watch this over and over again. No, and definitely each not. Time definitely not. You yeah. notice something different each time. Each time it hits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like no matter what. Yeah. Ugh. So I guess we've been talking about the how do you feel? I mean, you've already kind of said about the split screens, but just his use of giving us the information all at once and never it never feels like he's overloading you. No, it's never and an overload. He, right. And he just trust us enough to know what's going on he's like a really good chef the ingredients are <laughs> all the right amount and nothing is amiss it's just it's ah when De Palma's on he's on yes like ah and especially when he has this when he has this crew with him too astounding just ah this movie this, <laughs> Christ uh, uh, who shot this again was it Zygmunt yes yeah yeah it was okay yeah yeah I mean when you have Zygmunt shooting your film I mean yeah yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a beaut it, and it is like it it looks so lush and so it's just gorgeous and it, it's gorgeous but it doesn't shy away from the grittiness of yes. 70s Philadelphia Absolutely. which i mean you got kind of a glimpse of that in uh in rocky but that's mm-hmm. also not this movie no uh, but i mean the scenes in this in this movie basically take place i don't know 10 blocks away from mm-hmm. Rocky took place, so mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe, maybe he's training while uh, yeah, Travolta's in investigating. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but I, I agree though. It's like it does look so beautiful, but not in a way that makes the city look any different than it actually looks. No, no. it's just the photography of the city and the night scenes just look so beautiful and like kind of matte looking. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if what his deal was with Travolta because I think it was the best he's looked too. He just is so gripping. Yeah. You can't look away from him in this film. Like he just looks great. And he's a handsome movie. man. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, he carries the movie really, really well. Really well. Can we talk about Nancy Allen? Yeah. You brought up Olivia Newton John and I don't think Olivia Newton John could have pulled this off. No. At all. You really need Nancy Allen in this mode. Uh, mm-hmm. She she's got that that voice that that she mm-hmm. puts on for this mm-hmm. movie. She's she's got that like that mousy demeanor, which mm-hmm. like she's really good at that. It's not just like, oh, I'm just going to cast her because she's my wife. I'm yeah. going to cast her because, well, yeah, she's my wife, but she's also really good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I just I adore her here. And you see her in a movie like Carrie and you're like, oh, wow, I freaking hate her. Yeah. Like, duh. And then you see her in this. You're like, oh, I love you. You're just you're just wonderful. And then you see her in something like Robocop. You're like, oh, you're a total badass. Like yeah. woman has range. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. She's been, she hasn't gotten enough credit. I don't know. She doesn't. It's weird. It really is. Cause I think even in like, uh, Castrestical, I mean, as much as I don't believe in that institution, but she was nominated for a Razzie for that movie. And I was like, Ugh. there's absolutely nothing wrong with her performance. Are you kidding in that me? Movie. Yeah. It's disgusting. They're a bunch of clowns. <laughs> Yeah, they should be abolished. <laughs> but um, I hope. think she's great in this. <laughs> she's just so gripping and you feel for her. And I like that she's not immediately on board with what he's doing. Yeah. She's just kind of following. And same thing with the audience. Like when I'm watching it, like at first, I'm just like, I don't know if I trust her. Like, I don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. I like her all that much. And then there's the scene where they meet up and have a drink and she explains mm-hmm. makeup. But she just goes yeah. through like a makeup routine. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I love you. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. great. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. in a rough spot, but you got it. You can make it through. Yeah, she she's very human. I think she's probably the most human character in the yeah. film. Yeah. Because it's someone that you can relate to because she has a job that she works at regularly as a makeup artist, but she needs the, as anyone does, need extra cash because- Exactly, yeah. You know, if the economy was bad back then, look at <laughs> <it> now. <laughs> so she's just making extra cash. She says- Gotta have that happening. side hustle, you know? <laughs> exactly. And you feel for her, you know, she's trying to make it, she's being like- you know, nothing happened. I was just accompanying him. I was basically his arm candy. Yeah. And then there's that scene later with, um, is it Dennis Franz? Yes. yes. The Franz. Yeah. The Franz. In, in the hotel room. And he like tries to assault her. Yeah. And she knocks him over the head. And I was like, honestly, good for you. You need to get yeah. away from this man. Franz is great in this too. Yeah. He, he plays scumbags so well. <laughs> <laughs> he really like, does. I, I, I vividly know him from obviously NYPD Blue, uh, mm-hmm. but I know him from that, this, and I think it's Psycho 2. Oh, Psycho, okay. Psycho 2 or 3. I forget which one, but he plays like the scumbag hotel manager who like took over the Bates Motel while oh. Anthony Perkins was in the asylum. And he's like, yeah, I, I have people doing drugs here. What of it? What, what are you, you going <laughs> to do about it? Huh? What are you going to do, Norman? That's so funny. I have yeah. not seen that. Oh it's my on my God. list to watch. I, I, it's either two or three. I forget which one, but he's such a scumbag in that. Yeah. <laughs> he plays it well. I like an actor, and he's worked with De Palma quite a bit because he's also in Dress yeah. to Kill. Yes, and yes. He, he often gets cast. And he's also in Body Double. He plays like the dickhead director yes. who fires yes. him. <laughs> Like when De Palma needed an asshole, he just, he was like, "Hey, Dennis, what are you doing tomorrow? I guess I'm working with you." Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm not offended by." Maybe he was. I highly doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you know what your vibe is and you're making money off of it, exactly, just go with the flow. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you do get performances from others that are outside of their box, and I think the Nancy Allen performance is also outside of what we've seen her in, as you mentioned, other roles that she's been in that are quite different from this one. So this is one of those films that does have like the political underlying right from the start. We hear that there's going to be this huge Liberty Bell parade celebration, which I read was not actually a thing that they don't really have that celebration (laughs) in Philly. Hmm. I guess it's in that universe, in the blowout universe, it exists. You know, we get the government person who is going to be potentially the next president. Yeah. He's killed. And there's ties to other political assassinations in the past that have happened yeah. in the real world and in the world of this film. 
I really like the whole political thriller aspect that like mm-hmm. they throw into this. And I'm like, okay, no, no, yeah. This movie has a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. And it's the right amount though. Like, yeah. It never feels like it doesn't overdo okay, it. Like you're going down a whole rabbit hole where you're like, okay, now we're going into dealing with government stuff. It's just the right amount to get him sucked in, but there's so much more. Like his mm-hmm. real threat, it has nothing to do really with yeah. that. It's this other person who's trying to get rid of his tape and him eventually, who's just going around murdering women. So I like that there are the political underlyings in this film and in other films that he's made too in the past, like Greetings and Hi Mom. He's always mm-hmm. very politically aware without kind of hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. He's just like, I'm, you know, I can't shy away from the real world. Yeah. Like we know the real world is real. But I'm also mm. making a movie, but I'll yep. allude to things. I find that a lot of people's criticism of his films is that, oh, none of this seems real. Like you wouldn't be in these situations. I'm like, well, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> exactly. Another friend that I had on, we were talking about Dressicle, and we were talking about the fact that people seem to have a problem with fun nowadays. Yeah, they do. Almost definitely. No yeah. fun allowed. No. <laughs> no fun allowed. They don't like things to be fun. They don't like fun movies. They don't like when directors are having fun with things. No. And then I don't understand why. Like I last night I saw uh, Haunting in Venice and Kenneth Brown is having a lot of fun shooting yeah. that movie. Like <laughs> there are so many trick shots in that yeah. and just him just having a ball, just having so much fun. And there are people who hate the way that movie looks. And meanwhile, I think way more movies should look like that because mm-hmm. if you're going to make a movie, have some fun. Well, exactly. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Just yep. put the camera in a weird position. Go for it. Have a That's blast. the thing. It's like, you know, it's art at the end of the day, right? Exactly. It need to exactly. be one Real life. Yeah. If I want real life, I'll watch a documentary. Or I'll just step outside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the real world. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think that's the essence of De Palma. Like, he's a very skilled filmmaker who loves film, Mm -hmm. and he loves making films, and you can see that because he's having fun with it. No matter how serious or silly the subject is, he's having fun with it because he's like, this is a medium where I can do anything, and why shouldn't I? It's like Scorsese. Like, he likes making movies. Mm -hmm. Like, you see something from uh, Scorsese, like Cape Fear, and you're like, oh, he's making a movie. (laughs) Yes. Like, he's having fun. This is a fun time. Yeah. And people have a problem with Cape Fear. Uh, of I love that movie. I love his version of Cape Fear because it's so, it's another movie that's a lot. And I it's love a lot. everyone. It is a lot. Yeah. De Niro's just doing his thing. He went all out. And I'm like, yeah. I'm here for it. It's it's kind of like Scorsese like made a De Palma movie, basically. Mm-hmm. It's that, that much fun. <laughs> Yes, that's a good, I hadn't even thought about that because I know they're old buddies and they kind of grew up in the same scene. And I actually watched a quick interview with them and I think they were saying De Palma could make, and they were agreeing that De Palma could make a Scorsese film, but Scorsese couldn't really make a De Palma film. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously he has tried. And yet. (laughs) Yeah, I love Kate Fear. That's another Me too. <laughs> okay, so if we want to get back to kind of Lithgow's character, and because at the very beginning, the first half of the film, you kind of see glimpses of him popping in and out. He becomes yeah. more of a prominent figure in the second half as yeah. he's getting closer to finding out what the deal is, why this happened, who shot out the tire. And we find out that Lithgow is strangling women who look like Nancy Allen's character because he's mm-hmm. trying to find her. And he's going through multiple women. And then we see more and more of Lithgow as the movie goes mm-hmm. on. 
It's it's the it's the shark from Jaws syndrome. Yeah, like he pulls it off. <laughs> he really does, and he's just such a looming character. And he's wearing that trench coat. Mm-hmm. You know, that creep factor number one right there. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think the most menacing scene for me was the one where the the sex worker is finishing a job essentially with a yeah. soldier, and then you see him on in the other payphone and he's knocking saying oh i'll pay you for a job and she goes to go brush her teeth and he's looming over her in the stall the bathroom stall and you know what's gonna happen but you're still so on edge i was just like i am sweating yeah oh it's intense and he plays and lithgow plays the menace so well mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you believe that this guy is a contract killer (laughs) yep who seems very invested in completing this job yeah he may not be that great at his job with finding no. the right person, but he'll get the job done. <laughs> he will. He might have, you know, a, a larger body count than anticipated in the end, but he will get there eventually. Unfortunately, he does get there. You said you didn't know much about the ending, so obviously it wasn't spoiled for you. No, it wasn't. No. How did you feel the first time you saw that ending, especially if you weren't anticipating there being shock? Shock. A lot of films won't go there. Yeah. Like I knew that, like, I obviously I know, oh, it's a De Palma film. It's not going to be mm-hmm. all sunshine and roses. Yeah. But damn, that is, that's a brutal, brutal, intense finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pulls it off. Like, yes, you, you understand it. You're like, well, that's probably what would happen. Like, yes. Not everyone gets away and mm-hmm. it's a good scream. Yes. <laughs> and it does give us, but it does give us that iconic shot of Nancy Ellen, like reaching for the camera mm-hmm. while yep. the fireworks go off. And I'm like, that is one of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen, but also one of the most haunting things yes. I've ever seen because she is, she's done at that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so sad. It is. It's sad and it's beautifully shot. Yeah. And the scene where he's holding her and it, they're shot from below and, and you see the fireworks above them. And it's just so beautiful. If you saw that shot, just like the still, although in his face, you can see there's kind of like a horror yeah. <laughs> expression. Yeah. But it looks so beautiful that you wouldn't necessarily know that she was dead. Yeah. Not only the shock of seeing her dead, but then having her scream used <sighs> in the final. And it's so dark. And you could tell it's that. It's so dark. Like last night when I'm watching, I was like, I get it. But yeah. oh, that's that's brutal. <laughs> Right? Uh, I mean, I know you needed that scream, but but then again, it's, it's also hopeful because it's like, well, now she's been immortalized. Yeah. You know, like he yep. did it for her. He's like, I had to do this. And then like yeah. he says, it's a good scream. It's, it's a yep. good scream. It is. And I, that's how I feel. I, I It is super dark, but it does kind of give her an ending that makes everything worth it. Kind of. Yeah. Retribution yeah. for it. Yeah. But you can see the look, like his final expression is just one of kind of shame. Yeah. He's just, he's out of it. Yeah. Like his, the, the like the director is just, the producer or director is like, oh my God, this is amazing. And he's just there yeah. drag, dragging on the cigarette that he hasn't ashed for like 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> he's got like uh, the Shelley Duvall shining ash yeah. at the end of his cigarette. And he's just like, yeah, it's a good, it's it's good. It's a good scream. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> like, oh man, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that that shocked me even more than seeing her, you know, throat slit. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, damn. Okay. Because it could have ended just with that shot with the fireworks overhead. That's where I thought it was going to end the first time. So did I. So did I. And then they're in the cutting room. Yeah. And I was like, uh, wow. So I really didn't want you to have a good time after this. No, no. We're here to have a (laughs) bad time. But we're going to appreciate it. (laughs) We will. 
very much so. Are there any other points of the film that you want to chat about? Um, we did we mention when she when she goes off on Dennis Friends? But I mean, yeah, this movie it's it's got that ending. My God, it's it's yeah. it's the classic gut punch. Like you said, yep. it's like oh, you thought the movie was going to end, but nope, nope. He's no. got to get he's got to twist that knife just a little more at the exactly. very end, right before the credits roll. De Palma's just like. Well, yeah, and because other people, you get that initial ending and you see, okay, now we've switched this to daytime and you see him. Yeah. Okay, so they're gearing up for a happy ending to give you some relief. But I was like, no. No, no, we're not doing that. We're shoving you further down into the pit. <laughs> and I love that. Hope like, you like it down there. <laughs> right. And he's not he's not sadistic about it. He's just like, this oh. is a reality, you know. Yeah, this is probably how it would go if this were to happen. I mean, government gets their way. <laughs> yep. Sorry, folks. We've seen it more than once happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This this is a movie. It's shocking to see to hear that people didn't want to watch this movie, didn't like this movie, yeah. and to where it's come today. And often that happens. I feel like that happens a lot with his movies. And yeah. I've said this a couple of times now on the show, you get directors like this who had a moment and now are cast aside. People don't, other than people like you and I, who are yeah. big De Palma fans, don't really talk about De Palma. Or even know who he is. Like, Yeah. And it's like, unfortunately, when he passes is when people will start going back exactly. to his work. And it's like, why exactly. can't we just celebrate him now yeah. while he's yeah, still exactly. here? Because yeah. this man is so skilled and he's given us like, an insane body of work. He really has. Like when I was starting this this series on, which is the one I was probably the most excited about because he's like top three director for me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at all these films and I was like, oh my God, like he has so many great ones. He does. He really does. Like, man, like uh, even something that is is very over the top and overblown like uh, Scarface. I still love it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just such Same. an experience. I just revisited that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And it, it's still fantastic. It's still I awesome. It. I love that movie. It's one of those movies where it it could easily be someone's favorite movie and they wouldn't even know he made it. Yes. I don't think a lot of people do know that he made it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are like, ah, I don't know who did that. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's yeah. De Palma. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at it and then once you realize. Once you realize it's a De Palma film, you're like, oh, no, it is. Uh, okay. It's just it's just him at the height of his excess. And just like, this is what I'm going to do. Make it a movie. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. You want split screen? I got split screen. You want split diopters? I could do that too. I'm going to give you all everything. Yeah. It's one of those movies I grew up kind of watching and then. Same. Yeah, yeah. Me, I don't know how long ago now, but I managed to get to see it in theater. Oh, wow. And it just Jealous. blew my yep. mind. I was like so immersed in it. I think it's yep. like three hours long. It, it is. Felt like, it felt it's, like 30 minutes of my life. It's one of those movies that I used to watch all the time. Like my parents had the double VHS Yes, that, that we would watch, yep. and then years and years ago, the DVD came out, and then like for years, I just never, I didn't watch it, I didn't revisit it, mm-hmm. uh, and then a couple of years ago, they put out the 4K of it, and oh, oh, yeah. what a beautiful film, what a beautiful picture that is. Yeah, <laughs> they they did a great job with that. Did they? Yeah, I haven't seen that version of it yet. Oh, it's astounding. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. I could gush about De Palma all day long. He's pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty decent, you know. He's I don't know pretty... if people know this, but he's pretty good. <laughs> he's a pretty good guy. And he's still around, people. So he you is. can... Yeah. I think he's got a new one that he's working on. I don't know what the release thing is for that. And you see directors of that era who are struggling to get money. Struggling, like, yeah. 
Coppola, who can't get money for his movie and has to fund it himself, which is funded himself, yeah, wild to me. Which is that's crazy to me too. You're like, I don't, I don't yeah. get that. Like, it's Francis Ford Coppola. Just yeah. give him the money. It's like, don't even ask what he wants to do with it. Yeah, the movie might not make a lot of money, but it'll be good. Yeah. W- wouldn't you like to produce a good movie? <laughs> just give no. him money. Jesus. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, of course not. <sighs> yeah, it's just it's dark times, but I am grateful that we have the works that we do have. By the like even someone like Scorsese, like he has to fight to get a movie made these days. It, it's it's sad. It's yeah. really is sad. It's disgusting, really, to be honest. It's just not good. Like the only old guard that still gets you know money thrown at them, I guess, is like Spielberg. Okay, yeah. And and my guy, my favorite director, Ridley Scott, they just throw money at him. They're like, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty and it's gonna be under budget and on time and it'll make yeah. money. So go at it, sir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's good. I also yeah. like Ridley Scott. I like Spielberg too. So they're pretty good directors. <laughs> yeah. They're also that's the competent rumor. people. <laughs> yeah. I've heard I've heard that they they made some classics yeah, here and yeah. there. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready, but I was going to get into the last segment of the show and credit. What I do is ask everyone the same two questions. The mm-hmm. first one being, if someone's never seen a De Palma film and they want somewhere to start or some film to start with, would you recommend Blow It as being the first one? If so, why? And if not, which film would you recommend? I honestly might recommend this. Mm-hmm. Because it basically tell blowout tells you everything you could get from a De Palma film. I yes. mean, you sure you could easily recommend one of his blockbusters, mm-hmm. but this movie feels more De Palma than say a Mission Impossible or oh, yeah. or a Scarface. Mm-hmm. You know, like this feels very his wheelhouse. Like you know what you're getting into. If you see this and you dig this, you're probably gonna like his other movies. Yes. I think that's you know, when you want to recommend a film to someone, you want something that's gonna show what the director is capable of and what their vibe is. Then there's also the other the flip side of that where like you recommend this, you're starting with his best. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, I yeah, definitely this movie. I would recommend this. Yeah. As uh, Baby's First De Palma. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I this would be one I would recommend. I feel like I'm biased. My favorite one is actually Body Devil because I love that. Body Devil is exactly the type of movie that was made for me. It's been a few years. I need to watch that again. Oh, I just rewatched it. And I was like, oh, man. This movie is so much fun. I like the guy in that. I like the lead guy in that. Yeah, Craig Wasson. He's yeah, great. I like before I saw Body Double, I only knew him from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, like which is was released around this. He's like the 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 doctor who helps all the kids. Oh. In in the ward. Yeah, he's like the lead in that movie. It's okay. pretty it, yeah. It's yeah, been it's, a while since I've seen that one. Yeah, cuz that's all I knew him from before okay. I saw Body Double and I was like, "Oh, he's got a different side." All right. Same thing. <laughs> just like the Nancy Allen thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. she's got a different side. Wow. De Palma is such a great director for actors because he brings mm-hmm. out sides of them that you just would not. You anticipate. wouldn't expect it. Yep. Even like something like a Scarface. And I know people think that Pacino's over the top, but this is another level of Pacino and Scarface. See, the thing in Scarface is the whole thing is over the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Pacino's not being over the top. He's just matching the yeah, rest of the movie. That's true. That movie. Yeah. That's an energy to be kept up with. I could not be living on that energy no, on a regular no basis. Hard no. pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So blowout would be your recommendation. I think mm-hmm. it's a great recommendation for anyone looking to get into De Palma. Second question is if you're making a double bill, either for yourself or for someone else, what film would you pair this with? And noting that, 
you know, sometimes you're going for a specific vibe. So there might be different films you want to pair it with. You can give me one. You can give me multiple ones. You would pair this one with. And why? Because it's about a sound guy. I would mm-hmm. pair this with Coppola's The Conversation. They are both intensely paranoid thrillers with with phenomenal lead performances. Mm-hmm. And they both have gut punches of an ending. <laughs> yes. They are yes. both. Both of the endings are middle fingers. And <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That would be an amazing double bill. I haven't seen the conversation in so long, but I remember the first time is it's kind of similar to the first time I watched Blow It, where I was like, um, yep, <laughs> this You're is like, wild. Oh, okay, <laughs> just nothing he, can prepare you for it. But he really did remodel that apartment. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. I need to rewatch that one. That's, That's a great, a great one. one. I just revisited that over the summer. That's uh. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's Gene Hackman also at his best. Uh, yeah. A couple months ago, we did a uh, Harrison Ford marathon. He shows up mm. in that movie for like two minutes. Oh, my God. So, of yeah. course, we added that into the marathon because yes. why not? He's extremely attractive in the conversation. He always is, but I <sighs> found he was so cute Bless in the conversation. Uh, yeah. I was never actually a huge Harrison fan until I watched the conversation. I was like, okay, this man is unbelievably beautiful. He now really he's- is. He really is. Now I'm a fan. He's he's my favorite actor. Yeah. People get surprised when I say that, but I'm like, the dude is good. He's also been in just like so many great movies. So like many he has great an ones. insane career. It's wild. <laughs> good for him. Good for him. I good mean, for him yeah. living on his uh ranch in the middle of nowhere now. <laughs> right? Just living the dream. That's the life. The conversation is good. The one I thought of actually was kind of tied to, I guess, filmmaking. In this in this film, it's more TV. But I thought of Videodrome as being Oof. a pairing because yeah. it's discovering things through film. I don't know why. That would be a very dark double bill, too. I mean, so with the conversation. Now, what would you put first between Blowout and Videodrome? That's a good question. As I was saying it, I was like, which one would I put first? I kind of think I would put Videodrome first because it's you kind of want the schlockier one first, maybe. Yeah. And then like I would put the conversation first mm-hmm. because I want everyone in the theater to have a very bad ending to their double feature when yeah. <laughs> all they can repeat to themselves as they're walking out is, it's a good scream. It's a good scream. Yeah. What the fuck? It's a good scream. <laughs> Exactly. Like the ending of Videodrome is dark, but it doesn't kind of leave you, you yeah. know, with the dark soul. Whereas with Blowout, you're just kind of empty. Like it's bleak. And hollow at the end. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay, I need to go to bed now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I need a it drink. Off. This is rough. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, I think that's blowout. And if you want to bring anything else up about the film, I think that we covered it as well we as we can. Yeah. 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 It's a beast to tackle, but it's also one that's like, I would recommend to anyone. Yeah. Like, I don't even care what type of movie you like. Like, you got to see blowout. <laughs> yeah. I think anyone can get something out of this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, you like John Travolta? Check this out. <laughs> yeah. You like Grease? Check it out. Watch this. The double feature of Grease and Blowout. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. Oh, you really like Pulp Fiction? You should watch this. Actually, that would be a pretty good double that feature. That would too. actually be like yeah, a solid yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. It would be like Travolta's greatest hits. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time. This was a blast. Chatting <laughs> about Brian De Palma. It's always, it always brings a smile to my face to meet a fellow De Palma. De He's Palma fun head. to talk about. He's fun. We like fun. Fun is good. Movies should be fun. Seeing Faces in Movies is an official podcast of the Royal Film Club. It's hosted and edited by Felicia Maroney with intro music by Lamar Walker. And if you like what you heard, let us know at seeingfacesinmovies.com 
or send us an email at seeingfacesandmovies at gmail.com. And while you're at it, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcast. And stay tuned for our next episode on Body Double.